Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. giveaway that's what you have to ask yourself before we start this episode and if you're unfamiliar with what i'm talking about and you're saying to yourself what giveaway what did i miss go back an episode go back to episode number 34 um the history of the great or history of salmon in the great lakes and you'll hear me talk about at the beginning of the podcast what you have to do in order to get in on this giveaway or i can just tell you right now i could just do that the giveaway is, or what I'm giving away, is a 35-inch brand-new panhandler with the brand-new tapered spring bobber incorporated into it from JT Outdoor Products. And this is a brand-new product that they just released this year. And I'm giving one away for free. And all you have to do, all you got to do is DM me on Instagram at freshwaterbite. Uh, you know, go over there, follow me, DM me, send me a question and or topic that you want to hear more about on the podcast related, obviously to fishing. Uh, it could be about anything, it could be about gear, techniques, certain type of species to go after, whatever you think you would want to hear more about. And it is my job to bring that content to you. And, or you can head to freshwaterbite.com and you can go to contact me and you can also write me on there as well. And I'll also get your uh, your topic and or question over there and get you submitted to get that free JT Outdoor product, brand new 35-inch panhandler with the built-in spring bobber tapered into the blank itself. So you definitely don't want to you know, miss your opportunity to do that because, hell, it's free. Anyways, today's episode, I am joined by Blake Tullifson. And Blake is... He is a man of crappie. He is very good at catching crappie, and that is why I got him on the podcast today. I mean, right now it's late fall, so Blake is telling us how to find and locate these fish and why it's his favorite time of the year to go after them, uh, where to find them. Um, you know, early ice is going to be here before we know it, so a lot of the things can relate to now on how to catch them will relate to that first ice period. And you'll hear Blake talk about bait presentations, um, structure that you want to look for, how deep of water and where in the lake that you're going to want to find these fish. He's also a contributor and a staff member over at Eurotackle.net, and uh, a lot of the baits he talks about are over there, and I highly suggest you check them out. So here's Blake. Blake, you there? Hey, how you doing? What's going on, buddy? You know, not too much yourself. Ah, uh, the same, you know, just got out of the the deer stand this morning, you know, nothing, uh, nothing to report. No, that's all right. That's how it's been for me lately too. I spent a lot of time in the woods and nothing to show for it yet. Are they rutting over there now for you? They're starting to see some bucks during daytime. Yep. For the first time here, you know, I have tons of deer on camera and it's all nighttime activity. And then probably the last week, starting to see some of the smaller ones out during daylight. So, yeah, they're moving for me. Um, yeah, I think it was two nights ago. I was just starting to see them chase the does, and you know, there's a little bit of sparring going on out in the middle of the field and things like that. So, I was getting pumped. Yeah. 
it's tough, man. How do you, I mean, this time of year, it's tough to balance, uh, you know, fishing and hunting because for a two week window here, I'm so insane about deer. It's like sometimes the fish, <laughs> fish takes the back burner until I get some venison straps in the freezer. I am the same way. It is really hard. I, I'm a fisherman at heart, but I really love eating venison and as does my wife. So <laughs> I make a point to try to get at least two deer in the freezer every year, but Oh. On days like, you know, today especially, I'd rather be in the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes when the, the the daylight saving time throws a chink in the chain. Yes, it does, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about it this morning too, but luckily I woke up in time. Good, <laughs> good, good. At least somebody did. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so thanks for coming on to do the podcast. And um, I think today is going to be a great episode and you're going to be able to to share a lot of great knowledge with us. But for some of the folks out there who might not know who you are, can you give us a little bit of background about where you're from and uh, how you grew up fishing? Yep. So Blake Tollison. Um, currently, I live in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, West Central Wisconsin, originally from northern Minnesota. I moved to Wisconsin five, six years ago and definitely like living here. Um, we have a lot of opportunities, especially when it comes to panfish. So what made, what, what brought you over that way? Uh, my job. Oh, yep. Nice. So I worked in the twin cities for a couple of years and I took my opportunity to get out of there as soon as I could. <laughs> so I, I grew up in a very small town, so it was hard to get used to the big city life. Oh, I hear you, brother. I'm right there with you. I tried. I try to stay away from those those tall sky risers. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, where did you grow up fishing? You said in. Uh, is it was it around the Twin Cities or was it in northern Minnesota? Uh, northern Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, as a kid, I was actually a walleye fisherman. That's what my dad. My dad did. That's what I learned how to do. I learned the basics of walleye fishing from fishing with my dad. Um, that's how I learned how to fish with a jig and a minnow and spinners and rigging and. You know, all the basics to walleye fishing was growing up in northern Minnesota. You know, did a lot of Mille Lacs, um, Winnipegosh, Red Lake, Lake of the Woods, those types of lakes. And then when I moved here, the walleye fishing is not even comparable to what it's like in northern Minnesota. I bet. So, you know, I just took advantage of something that is excellent here. Um, and that's panfish, crappies especially. We have... Within an hour of my house, I could probably hit a hundred different lakes. I mean, a lot of those you're talking like 50 acres or less, but we have a few, a few decent sized lakes as well. And I've tried a ton of new lakes since I've lived here. I just, there's plenty more. The further out I go, the the more lakes I get. So, yeah. How was that transition? Because, you know, someone like me uh, growing up around the Great Lakes and like, um, I grew up around Southeast Michigan, kind of like, uh, just about 20 minutes away from Erie. And then, um, I spent, uh, the last five years up in Traverse city, which is Northwest, uh, Michigan. And okay. the, the transition was different, like, kind of like what you went through where, you know, I grew up down here, you know, obviously great walleye fishing and then going up there, you know, you get a lot more clear water. So for me, it was adapting to learning how to fish the big water up there for like Lake Trout and, you know, smallmouth bass and, uh, you know, things like that. There's, there's walleye lakes up there, but it's nothing like, you know, down here. How was that yep. transition for you when it, when it came to, you know, kind of not letting go of that love for walleye, but just kind of, you know, making the best out of the situation? Well, so I, there is, you know, a few walleye lakes around here and I spent a fair amount of time 
fishing them the way I knew how, you know, pulling cranks and rigging and jigging. And I, I kept running into panfish and I was running into quality panfish. And so I, I, you know, I bought some, you know, I always had panfish gear in my arsenal, you know, springtime crappies uh, during the winter time. I always had s- some panfish gear, but I just started expanding that arsenal, you know, and buying more and more stuff and figuring out exactly what work to catch fish, not just accidentally, but to catch them on purpose and figure out where they're at, you know, from spring to summer, to fall to winter. I mean, you know, previously I, I only fished for crappies during a little bit of the springtime. And then during the wintertime, during summertime and fall, I crappies were far from my mind. But being that we have such great opportunities here, I wanted to figure out what I needed to do to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. What did you notice, like uh, the overlap as you were trying to walleye fish and then running into these these good sized panfish and crappie? You would be surprised how big a bait panfish will eat. You know, a lot of times people think you can only catch them on small stuff, but. Like I said, how I figured out some of these panfish lakes was complete accident. I just started stumbling onto some larger fish when I was pulling crankbaits, things like that. Things you wouldn't expect to catch panfish on necessarily. Um, you know, there's, I do have one lake here where it's really deep water and it's part of a river system. So you are fishing crappies with quarter ounce jigs. That's kind of unheard of in most most of the lakes around here, it's all, it is that the smaller stuff, but it, for whatever reason in this one lake, it's literally like your walleye fishing. You could take your uh, medium light or medium action rod and go out there and vertical jig for crappies during a good chunk of the year. Why do you think that is? Do you think that they're just, you know, competing with the other big predator fish in the lake? And so they're like, listen, I got to up my appetite here if I'm going to be, be getting, getting the meal. Yep, I I do think so. It's that lake is known to also have a lot of a lot of walleyes. Okay. So, and it's not uncommon to catch them in the same places. And usually, you're not catching you're not catching you know nine to ten inches when you're using those bigger baits. It's you're picking off things that are twelve, thirteen, and up. Right. Yep. Now, what, what did you did you notice that they were also hitting the live bait that you were using for walleye as well? Yep. Yep. Yeah. They had no problem. You know, you throw a, you put a jig and a minnow down there. Um, and it was, they had no problem eating that, you know, a, a walleye size minnow, like a three inch fathead. That was totally perfect for those larger crappies. Wow. So what are the, what, what would you say the average size crappie that you're, that you were pulling up? Like anywhere from um, X to Z? Yeah, I would say between 12 to 13 and a half oh was God. a pretty average size on, on this lake. It's huge. It's, it's a, we have a good average here. <laughs> <laughs> can you, and obviously you can ice fish that lake then too, right? You can, but you can't get to some of these specific spots cause it is part of a river system. Okay. So there's spots that get a little hairy. Yeah. But, but still, fortunately po- we have, we have enough water here that it's, it's okay. Yeah. And like anybody ice fishing who, who hasn't, gone after crappie or caught crappie you you pull a 12 inch or 13 inch crappie through an eight inch hole you're gonna be like holy shit you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah lots of people think they are catching 12 inch crappies and up until they actually start measuring them and they catch a true 12 incher or a true 14 incher and they're like 
wow, this is way bigger than I expected it to be. Right. <laughs> and they, and they yep. taste really good too. They do. Yeah. It's people don't realize how rare large crappies are. You know, when you start, we have a fair amount of 12 to 13 inch crappies in this area, but once you start getting to that 14 inch mark, 15 and 16, it's an entirely different class. And the numbers of those that you catch are very few, you know, that 15 plus class. But when you do, it's, it almost looks like an entirely different species. What's master angler there for crappies? I don't think we actually, we don't, you know, to be honest, I don't know if we have a master angler program in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. And Minnesota, I think it's 15. All right. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is here in Michigan. I want to say it was 14, but I could be wrong on that. Yeah, it's I I haven't looked that up. I want to say it's fifteen in Minnesota. So 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 you get into this crappie bite. You find that you you know move to this area and you start to become you know more of a a crappie master of of honing in your skills on that. What is your favorite time of the year to go for them? For me, it's personally fall. Everybody thinks spring crappies. Oh, they're in shallow. It's fun. It's fun, but the fall time is it's a whole nother animal I, I feel like i catch a lot of my biggest fish in the fall okay um it's they're always hungry it's you can catch them using you know non-conventional crappy methods you're not necessarily throwing the smallest thing possible like i have no problem throwing an eighth ounce rattle bait to catch crappies this time of year or quarter ounce jigs and spoons it's it's just a entirely entirely different game. Plus, I really enjoy vertical jigging for crappies, and this is the best time of the year to do that. Yeah, I wanted to get into that a little bit um, before we do. So, you know, folks going out, you know, to go after fall crappie bite that you, you're describing when you're when you're out, you know, you're scouting, you got your you know your sonar on, you're kind of scanning the area, going over you know different humps or trees, sunken trees or vegetation. What are you looking for? Are they still going to light up like they do, um, you know, like when you're looking for them in the spring or summertime where like you get to, you know, a school of crappie and it just lo- looks like a, a Christmas tree down there around, uh, you know, a certain type of structure. Is that, are they still doing that same kind of thing? Yep. It's not uncommon to find massive schools this time of year. Okay. <clears throat> so typically like early in the fall, I am focusing just off the weed lines. Okay. So, you know, and around here, a lot of these small natural lakes, the large majority of your crappies and bluegills spend most of their time associated with the weeds throughout the summer months. So early fall, they are usually relatively close to that. But as the season progresses, they typically start to move deeper and deeper. Um, I look for changes in structure, obviously. I look for things like cribs and rock piles um and then as the season gets even later i start to focus more on the main basin of the lake um we have a lot of cribs in this part of the state the state of wisconsin lets a lot of different lake associations um plant cribs and lakes so there is certain lakes where it is a huge difference maker um one lake i've been fishing in particular pretty much from <clears throat> late September until the last week or so, they have just been stacked on cribs. You know, they might be on one crib one day, but, and then, you know, another crib the next day, but they're usually oriented with those cribs. And as I was out yesterday afternoon, and we are definitely later in the season here, I think we're going to have ice within the next couple of weeks. 
they are already starting to push out to the the main basin of the lake. Yeah, last year when I was in Minnesota and we were fishing um, around the Mille Lacs area, you know, I'd never gone for a crappie in the fall time before, and so when my mm-hmm. my buddy took me out to these these lakes surrounding the area, I was really surprised at how deep the the crappie were relating to. Um, like you said, those rock piles or those cribs or something like that. And when we got over the top of them, you know, we were in, I think it was like 25 feet of water or something like that. And I was like, I was really surprised by, you know, the amount of, uh, the crappie or panfishes in general hanging down there by that structure. I would think that would, they would be, you know, kind of, you know, up still in the shallows with the, where the weeds were at and things like that. And it was really eye opening for me to, to get into that bite. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a ton of fun too. Okay, so you're 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 going out to that main basin, and like you said, you know it's it's late fall, and you guys are are probably going to have ice here in the next three four weeks, right? Is that always a great spot to start for early ice for them? That's typically where I will start. Okay, Um, like this time of year, it's great ice, ice limiting you to the how great the ice is out in the middle of the lake, obviously. But yep, yep, yep. Uh, and I typically will start wherever I found the fish last. Okay. So, you know, if I go to this lake, I was out yesterday, found some fish on the cribs, some fish in the basin. I probably will start in the cribs just because they're less likely to roam if, you know, they're associated to a structure like that. Whereas when I go up to the main basin of the lake, they're going to be roaming a lot harder. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be searching a lot more to find those fish. Um, so I will typically start my search with something like a crib. Um, and once winter has kind of come and gone, I I've noticed that, or I guess once we hit the middle of winter, those cribs kind of just become all void of panfish in general. So I focus primarily on the basin Okay. and then in the spring again, they'll kind of push back towards those cribs on their way to the shallower stuff. When they're getting out into the basin, are they going after those micro um, micro bugs and things like that down in the mud. Yep. Yep. That's pretty common. Um, a lot of the lakes around here, it, uh, especially in the wintertime, it's virtually impossible to fish. Once you get past dark, you have all that, those microorganisms coming out of the mud mm-hmm. and it just, I don't know if you've witnessed that in Michigan at all, where it's, you know, the bottom 10 feet is virtually, you can't see anything on your flasher. Yeah. I, I, we, we've got certain lakes around here that are like that. Yep, that's a, lo- a lot of our lakes in this part of the state are like that. Okay, so so let's get back to so kind of like in the, the the time period right now where we're in late fall, the transition, the first ice. You were talking about a little bit how you would get over these cribs and you would vertical jig them, just like you would be ice fishing for them, kind of like right. Correct. Yep. So so what what baits are you using, or what what would be a great way to start? Are you using like microplastics are you doing like tiny spoons are you tipping those with live bait you know kind of get into that kind of stuff yeah so i use primarily three types of baits for bull crappies in particular one would be plastics okay second one would be little hard baits like uh it's called a z viber is my personal favorite it's just an eighth ounce rattle bait and then the third type would be spoons um so plastics i typically start with larger plastics um i there's a two inch plastic that i use a lot called the fat assassin and that is very well designed for vertical jigging i'll typically use that on an eighth ounce jig that way i have you know more control over it i can get down to those fish faster 
So that's my the first way I start. Um, I will also drop shot that bait as well, especially if those fish are hanging above. You know, they're not down towards the bottom. Ah, gotcha. They might be up a little higher. Mm-hmm. I like to drop shot them as well. Um, with, like I mentioned, also the Z-Viber. Um, if I'm not catching things on plastics, I will switch over to the Z-Viber. That helps pick off the more aggressive fish, especially. I mean, it's a larger bait, so typically you're not going to catch little crappies on it. And then <clears throat> Eurotackle also came out with a new spoon this year called the T-Flasher. Um, they make a quarter ounce and a five-ace. It's all tungsten, so I really like that for getting down to fish. Um, that quarter ouncer has been probably my top bait this fall. It's absolutely phenomenal for crappies. I don't tip any of them with live bait. Um, as a pan fisherman, I don't use live bait at all, especially during the fall and the winter time. Yeah. I've used minnows and stuff during, during the spring, but fall time, winter time, no live bait at all. Okay. So you're not using, you're not tipping it with grubs or, um, wigglers or anything like that. You're just kind of going with the, the natural presentation of, you know, small micro, um, artificials and things like that. Yep. That's correct. Yep. Okay. What do you do in a scenario? Like, you know, sometimes like the crappie, but or the crappie schools, you're on a big school of crappie and things like that. It might start off really hot where you're getting hookups, you know, the first few minutes there and it, and it seems like it's good, but then that school seems to shut down. How do you change your presentation and what do you typically do in that scenario? The first thing I would do would be to downsize. Okay. So this time of year, I always carry my ice plastics with me as well. Ah. It's not uncommon that if fish aren't eating the bigger stuff that I will downsize to, you know, a small tungsten jig with a, a plastic. Um, I like to use a little straight tail plastics and fork tails. That's, I have had some amazing days in the fall when that's all they want to eat is those microplastics. You can put down anything else in front of them and they don't want to touch it. And as soon as you drop down that smaller plastic, it's going to get eaten. That's a good, good tip to, to, to remember, bring your ice stuff, even though you're not <laughs> standing on some ice, <laughs> but, it makes, uh, yeah, but always, it makes sense though, right? With. You know, it makes sense it because does. it's, it's right in that transitional period where even if you go out on first ice, your brain thinks, okay, I'm going to bring my, my small microplastics with me. Um, and just because you're not on ice, you know, two weeks, three weeks earlier, there was open water. What, you know, why not use yep. it then? Exactly. It's not like they realize that there's ice above them and they're going to like, oh, we should start eating smaller stuff. No, right. it's <laughs> so, yeah, I always carry those with me. Another thing I do in the fall is I typically will carry my ice flasher with, um, I run an LX seven and I think it is way more fun jigging over a flasher. You know, you can actually see how those fish are reacting to your bait. Um, you know, especially when you get on a big school that is pretty stationary, like if they're hanging by a crib. They're not going to move far. Um, I'll typically spot lock, throw the mark them over, and uh, and vertical jig that, and then I can just jog left and right as I lose that school, or if they you know move to the other side of the crib or something. And it's it makes it a ton of fun. Yeah, a lot of folks, you know, again, getting back to that mindset of uh, you know starting to use your ice stuff. Um, 
I'm guilty of that myself. I also have an LX7, but I always mean to bring it out in vertical jigging situations, especially like what you're talking about right there. And it actually works extremely well. I've talked to other guys in the, you know, that, that, that use the same, same, or use it the same way that you do. And, you know, they just said, yep. always bring your ice unit out with you if you're vertical jigging because it works extremely well. Oh, it does. It's just something about our brains where, like, if we're not standing on ice, we're not thinking about our ice stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you're starting to talk a little bit about the baits that you're using. And I want to talk a little bit about your involvement in Euro tackle because you've been showing up lately more on Instagram and I've, I've checked out this, this website, Euro tackle and the amount of baits that are on here are really unique. And I think I'm definitely going to be ordering some for this year's, uh, this year's ice fishing, but, uh, talk a little bit about your involvement with Euro tackle because there's a lot of great stuff on this website. Yes. Yep. There, there is. Uh, we keep adding stuff every year, so it's made it a ton of fun. Uh, I've been with them for a few years now. Um, I'm, you know, a, a team member. Uh, I work a lot of the shows for them in the Midwest, and then I also manage their blog. So I'm doing about two articles a month for their online blog, and typically I'm focusing those around specific baits in the Euro tackle lineup or, you know, how to apply those baits to different techniques or, you know, like a more recent one I did was on fall crappies. Um, I try to focus the blogs around what season is happening and what baits are most effective for me during those seasons. So those are about twice a month that those come out. Yeah, and I'm on here right now, and anybody listening to this, I encourage you to go to eurotackle.net, and then if you go up into the right-hand corner, there's a spot called the blog, and you just click on that, and I've learned a ton of information going through Blake's um, blog articles that he's throwing out here, and you can see a lot of the um, the tackle, obviously, that he's using out of, from I mean, from Eurotackle, and you're looking at this T-flasher that looks like, you know, it just looks like your typical, uh, you know, jigging a walleye spoon or something like that, but, you know, he's obviously cranking in the the crappie with it as well and you can use it for both applications yep yep and the, and the nice part about that blog is i'm able to you know we have other people on our team who are experts in things like bass fishing yeah well, i'm not an expert at bass fishing so i rely on them and we will partner up and work on an article together just to kind of give a you know well-rounded focus on that blog so it's not just things that apply to wisconsin you know we have guys on the team that are from uh, in the northeast part of the country and the northwest part of the country. And I try to get everybody involved um, so we can get kind of a, like I said, like a well-balanced blog. And so it applies to everyone. Yep. Uh, if you go on here, there's obviously, you guys got a lot of bass lures on here. And yep. I'm also looking to one that I think a lot of walleye guys will like, and even smallmouth guys with the, that Z-Viber that you were talking about. Looks like it's just yes, kind of like yep. you're casting that out and ripping it back to the boat. Yeah, so there's actually four different sizes in the Z-Viber. Um, we came out with the 116th, which is it features like a single hook, mm -hmm. and that has been probably our most popular bait. That's most people, if you tell them the name Euro Tackle, they're like, oh yeah, the Z-Viber. So they know about that 16th on Z-Viber. Last year, we added the 1-8th and the 3 eighths. So you know it applies well to the fall crappies all the way through open water walleyes and bass. And then this year, we also added the 5 eighths. That would be perfect. So how did, yes. why was that 116 such a flagship to begin with? Is that what guys were just using, like you said, for the crappie with the single hook? Yeah, it was, it was a huge, 
a huge deal in the ice market, especially. Okay. It was the, the the smallest lipless crankbait when that came out. Uh, one sixteenth of an ounce, one inch in length. There was nothing on the market that was even close to that when that came out a couple of years ago. Um, each year we've added new colors, you know, and I think I get a new favorite color every year. The first year it was bluegill. Uh, last year it was our black high vis, and this year I think it's going to be purple joker. I just yeah, <laughs> the owner he, he's got he's got some some good ideas, especially when it comes to baits and colors. Now, are some of these baits UV too? Can you get it? Can you light them up for ice fishing? Yep, there's a couple of them that come in UV, and then there's also a couple that come in glow. Okay, guys, fishing this for ice fishing, um, and you're using the Z Viber. Are they? Yep. Are they tipping it with anything or are you just kind of using the natural look of the bait when you're, when you're dropping it down there? Personally, that's what I do. I have put plastics on the back on that single hook. Yeah, that's, that's what it's I was free swinging, at. which is kind of cool. So you get a ton of action. Okay. I have met plenty of guys though that will use, you know, wax worms or they'll even put a minnow or minnow head on there and they've had a lot of success that way. Okay. And it looks like there's three different hole options too up top. If you guys are casting it to to change the action of of that bait as it goes down. Yep, yep. Similar to a blade bait, how it has the the three different you know, selections there. Yep. And you said it does have rattling capabilities as well. It does. All of those have rattles within them. They do. It's tungsten rattles in there, so it has some some pretty high vibrations. They look awesome. And then also, there's also something called the Z Darter. I'm just using this as for all those folks listening to get you guys excited about it because I'm starting to get excited. It's called the Z Darter, which is like, a, would it be just similar to like, a, uh, what do they call it? The, the Johnny Darter or whatever it is, or like a jig and wrap? Yep. It's very similar to that. It's it's hard to convince people that it works because it doesn't have a fin on the back. You know, yeah. Typical jigging baits that you're seeing where they, they glide and dart. They have that fin on the back. Um, this doesn't require that. It has a very similar action to, like you said, like a jigging wrap. Okay. Um, it's a really unique bait, and I do like that it doesn't have that front hooks, so you're not going to get it hooked on an ice hole. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. I think that. anybody who's fished a jigging wrap has, uh, has lost a good fish on the hole with, uh, <laughs> with that front hook. You either get it in the hole or you forget about it and it goes in your finger. Yep. <laughs> One of the two. Yep. Um, yeah, you guys got a lot of great stuff on here. And obviously, you know, the micro finesse stuff as well. Um, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, you guys get on here, you'll, you'll see how many different, um, uh, variations they have, you know, they've got the shrimp stuff. They've got the, um, the fat assassin that you were talking about earlier. Um, you know, just all types of different micro finesse stuff that you guys can throw on your hooks for the, for the pan fish as well. Yes, there's literally every season there is a bait that applies well to it. Um, in the summertime, I use the B-Vibe a ton. It's a two-inch paddle tail, and I think I've caught more crappies on that bait than any other bait I've ever used in open water. It's it's phenomenal. So how um, – I, Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. Go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to say when it comes to ice, there's – I don't know if I can pick a favorite. I, I use the blood worm a lot just because – we have a lot of bloodworms in our lakes. Fish are feeding on things that look like a bloodworm. So I focus primarily on stuff that looks natural. Yeah, it's, you know, it's an area that I need to work on is fishing with microplastics more often. You know, 
I guess for me, I, I always think just like, oh, I've got to go to the bait shop and I've got to throw on, you know, some kind of grub or, you know, something on the end of my hook just to get their attention. And I always hear about folks, you know, focusing more on microplastics and finesse things like that and doing so much better with it. I don't know what it is, but if there's one thing that, you know, can intimidate or outperform live bait, it's these microplastics during ice fishing season. It is. It's, there's some huge advantages to plastics. I, I don't know. I'm a plastics fanatic more so than, than the average angler, but I just haven't seen a reason to buy live bait, especially in the winter time. You know, you don't have to waste your time stopping at a bait shop. You don't have to worry about keeping it alive. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you just throw it in your pocket and you're good to go. You're not rebaiting constantly either. It's, there's just some huge advantages. So let's talk about the blog a little bit because you do keep it relevant with everything going on like the season right now and, you know, obviously fall crappie or whatever it is. How do you guys get the um, the ideas or, or, or figure out how to keep it relevant? Do you guys have folks writing you and asking you questions or how can how does that typically work? I would be more than happy to field questions. Um, typically, I am just trying to think of what is fitting for the season. Sure. Um, if I don't have something, I look towards our team because like I said, we have guys from all over the country, also into Canada and they might have something going that is just great at that time. And so I'll work with them to, to make sure the format of how they're writing fits with, you know, the theme of the blog, uh, make sure things are educational and people can understand what's, you know, what they're reading. Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of getting at is, you know, you, you said you have staff everywhere, so it's it's so important for some folks to really think about that. You know, you'll see, um, you know, not saying that techniques don't work everywhere, but you'll see it on a specific kind of lake over in Wisconsin or Minnesota. Well, those lakes are a lot different than here in Michigan or the Northeast, or if you get more South. So it's important to reach out to any kind of, you know, content provider or someone like that, like what you're doing. And you can reach out to staff and ask what's working more in their localized area, because it could be something totally different or a unique color that's working. Um, you know, ecos- yep. ecosystems are different wherever you go, obviously, but it's important to yeah. realize that. It is. Hey, uh, one more thing I want to get into a little bit here, and then I will let you go. Uh, so for ice fishing, you've got these, I seen you that you've been posting a little bit on these uh, Norfin boots that you've, that you've recently purchased. Have, yep. you, have you used those for an ice fishing season yet? Or are you just starting to use them this fall? Cause they look just, pretty legit. Just starting to use them. Okay. Yes. You know, what kind of convinced me was, so the way I understand it is Norfin is what's used all over in Europe. Okay. Like a lot of the, like I know they sponsored the USA, like national fishing team. Uh-huh. So like when they went over to Europe and did their big fishing tournament, the, the that's what they're wearing. Norfin suits, Norfin boots. Um, a lot of the guys in the NAIFC, that's, they run Norfin stuff, especially the boots. Um, I've used them for deer hunting so far and I have zero complaints. You know, I don't, I don't know how they'll be on ice, but you know, talking with tournament guys, talking with guys from overseas, it gets a lot colder in Russia (laughs) than it does in the Midwest. (laughs) And if they can, if they can use those boots, I think I'll be fine, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes this ice season. I'm looking forward to to running the. I bought the Klondikes. There's two different kinds. Uh, 
And it seemed like the Klondikes were more for like uh, an active person. You know, if you're running and gunning, yeah, they have like little spikes on the bottom that you can flip out if you forget your your katulas or something. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I keep going back and forth on that. You know, I typically I just try to make what I have work, which is obviously using my you know 600 gram uh, insulated hunting boots that I, that I use, but I was like, you know what? I need to buy a dedicated pair of ice fishing stuff. So that way I can, you know, obviously hang up the boots uh, from hunting and not have to lug them around all the time. And I'm trying to find something out there on the market right now. And I see that you were posting about it. So that's why I wanted to ask you. And yeah, and it seems like they're getting a lot more traction Norfin over here. Like you were talking about. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, like I, there's a few guys in the NAF, NAIFC that I know, and that's what they've run is those Norfin boots. I mean, they're fishing outside constantly. It's, that's kind of how I fish as well. And it's, it seemed to make sense. Do you fish that league at all or no? I don't. No. Nope. No, nope, maybe someday I'll think about it, but most of the, we do have one that uh, usually is close to Eau Claire where I live. Um, so I, I thought about giving that one a, I try. Seems like it'd be right up your alley with all the pan fishing and and that new, you know, skills that you've acquired since moving to Wisconsin. Yep. Blake, well, I'm not going to keep you any longer. I know it's getting to be the afternoon. You got to get out there in the tree stand. But, um, anyways, where can folks find out more about you and, or if they have questions, um, just about fishing in general and, or Euro tackle. All right. Thank you. If anyone has any questions, they can reach out to me via email, uh, blake.tollefson at gmail.com okay. or via Instagram at btollefsonfishing. Perfect. And they can obviously go to uraltackle.net and can they uh, submit their questions that way for the blog topics and things like that? Yep. If they had questions, they can submit them through the, the Eurotackle like, contact on there okay. and, and one of us would be able to answer back. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Blake. Hey, thank you. Hey, I want to thank Blake for coming on the podcast. That was awesome. Um, It was really cool to hear his story about how he moved to an area, and even though growing up as a walleye guy, he kind of was, you know, making the best out of the situation where he lived and took advantage of what's A, plentiful, but also B, uh, what the area is known for, and that was big crappie and panfish. Uh, in his lakes over there in uh, Wisconsin. Make sure you go follow Blake over on Instagram. Check out Eurotackle.net and allow the lures that they have to offer. Any of you ice fishing guys and gals out there um, listening to this podcast, I encourage you to head over to Eurotackle.net and um, some of their lures I think that you're going to be definitely trying out this, this winter. But in the meantime, remember... Head on over to Instagram to the Freshwater Bite Podcast um, and make sure you DM me some questions and or topics and get yourself entered in to that free ice rod from JT Outdoor Products that I'll be giving away. And as always, thanks for listening.